Hey, Take 6 listeners, thank you so much for listening to another edition of the podcast. I'm Hunter Surplus, and just quickly reminding you guys to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and review, and also follow us on Spotify. Just search up Take 6, and you'll be able to find us there. On top of that, go follow us on Instagram at Take 6 Podcast, Twitter, Take underscore 6, and Facebook, go like our page today's episode we're just going to talk about a few takeaways from the Raptors season so far the Leafs season so far and since the MLS season just ended uh, I'm going to do one quick takeaway about TFC I've got a special guest to come in to talk about the Raptors he owns the Raptor cult Instagram page Kentaro Skinner and then for the Leafs and TFC it's just going to be done by myself enjoy welcome to the take six podcast what up thank you once again for listening take six fans listeners all you people out there who like toronto sports thanks for listening so like i said at the top i've got a good friend of mine kentaro skinner who owns the raptor cult instagram account it's really good it's a it's he has very good insight on on basketball and the raptors we had a really good conversation so here it is kentaro how are you doing buddy doing good how are you doing hunter I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. So right now we're going to start talking about the key takeaways for the Raptor season so far. Uh, they're only 27 games in, but they look really good. So the, the three takeaways that we're, we're going to go after, and then obviously we'll expand on them in a minute. So number one is that they're the best team in the East, and I think that they are the closest thing to catching the Warriors number two the bench mob is no more and number three Kawhi Leonard is back doing Kawhi Leonard things so which one do you want to start off with Kentaro I mean why don't we start with the good I mean Kawhi has just been killing it yeah man for sure so with Kawhi Leonard do you think he's he has a case to be the league MVP Absolutely. I mean, I think he's just putting everyone on notice that he's can be the best offensive and defensive player on the court every night. I mean, it's clear that he's made improvements in his game. Like his handle is definitely better this year. He's like he's great in the clutch this year, um, and like he's definitely like, and he's almost like Demar in a way. Yeah. Like he's got that mid range game. Like he's like he's he's got that. Just he's he's a little bit um, younger, I guess. And he's like he. I think he's he kind of knows where he wants to go a little. I feel like uh, Demar, like he when he was with the team, I hate comparing them, but like he he just like in the playoffs he got so predictable. And I feel like Kawhi, he's so lethal in multiple assets of the game. Uh, I mean, multiple facets of the game that he can uh, beat you in so many ways. And then of course he's the defensive player, two-time defensive player of the year. So that's just what I think about his season thus far. Yeah, I agree. And like I've I've heard a bunch of people kind of say that he's not really in the MVP conversation which blows my mind because the guy's an animal and he's been playing like an animal so far this year he's had eight 30 point games and six games with more than three steals so like like you were saying he is the best in most games he's the best offensive player and defensive player on the court which you know means he's the best player on the court and then that kind of ties into them being the best team in the east and like being the closest thing to the Warriors as well, which we'll get into in, in a minute. But right now is his stats, 26, 
3.4 points per game. And if he can keep that up, it'll be the most in his career. Three assists, 8.3 rebounds, 1.9 steals, and 0.6 blocks. So he's doing everything that you can ask for. Uh, you know, DeMar's playing well, but I I was really mad at this trade to begin with. But now that I'm looking at him and, you know, seeing him play all these games, he's missed a few, but, uh, you know, having having him play and and just dominate is is kind of a thing of, of beauty, and I'm really happy to have him on the team. He's definitely the price of admission. I mean, when you go to his games, like you're – you're not, you're not gonna get like, uh, like a LeBron game where he's just coasting because he's 32 years old and he wants to play 82 games, right? It's with Kawhi, it's uh, you're gonna get um, 100% on both ends of the court, and he's like the no look steal, like he makes defense fun, like that that play was just absolutely insane, and then offensively he can take the ball coast to coast. He dunked on Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid against in that Sixers game. And, you know, it's like he's just been on fire in the past five games. Like, he's scored, like, 25-plus points in the last uh, – he's had over 25 points in the last – in each of the last five games. And he's just, like – like, that left-handed dunk was one of the best dunks in Raptors history. And um, I have to disagree with you on, like, being mad about the trade. When, I, when the trade happened, like, since you mentioned it, the trade happened, I thought it was a great trade. I mean – after getting swept two years in a row and like having this whole culture reset and stuff, and then you come out like that, it was pretty laughable. So I was honestly really happy. And like, cause I, DeRozan was kind of like becoming too predictable in the playoffs. And I think there had to be some sort of change. So yeah, I just, since you touched on that, I thought I would give my two cents. Yeah. And that's uh, you know, that's a good point. I kind of, you know, I, I hate saying that I was mad about it because it makes me look stupid now, but yeah. In terms of, you know, I was I was really unsure if Kawhi was going to want to play here and give us 100% because I, I saw how, you know, petty he was in San Antonio, and I was kind of expecting him to come in and do, and do the same thing. But now that he's here, I can't even say that anything's wrong with the trade, and I see why they did it, right? Like, you if you have the opportunity to get a top five, potentially top three player in the league, you you do it 10 times out of 10. Especially if you, it's the stuff they gave away was nothing for for a Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. So I think I think it was good. And Kawhi Leonard is definitely if he if he doesn't miss every single one of our back to back games, I think he's definitely going to be within the MVP conversation. I think that's kind of the only gripe that people have with him this year. Yeah, most definitely, and I think. Uh, just the the trade is just um, they had to take a risk. I mean, just if you look at the contracts the Raptors signed in 2017, they only signed Lowry to three years. They only signed Ibaka to, to three years. DeRozan before he got traded only had like uh, how many years? Have, like three years on his deal at this point now. And then obviously you got these young players that are going to help you in the future. But that core that core of like Lowry, Ibaka, Valanciunas. And now Leonard, who replaced DeRozan, they're not going to have a lot much longer. I mean, I know Valanciunas' contract is up at the end of this season. And then Ibaka, like, his play was rejuvenated this year, especially in the mid-range. And then Lowry, um, he's 32 and taking charges. So, like, the real question, the, the Raptors asked the right question. How much longer do we have with this core? And they said, we need to make a move. And and it's paying off. And, like, I mean, Leonard is just 
everything that he's been marketed as. So I'm just really, it's just, it's really a happy time for Raptors fans right now. So um, I think it's just, uh, just keep enjoying this because it's not going to be that much longer. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, we might as well just get into them being the best team in the East at this point. Cause like I said before, when you have the best player on the court, especially in the NBA, chances are you're going to be the better team. And with Kawhi being the best player on the court on pretty much any given night that he's playing, except for maybe if he's playing LeBron, KD, Anthony Davis, and, and you know, I guess Steph Curry fits in there too, but they're, he's on the same team as KD. But if you're playing against those guys, you're pretty much going to have, if you're playing anyone but those guys, you're going to have the best guy on the court. And it's showing because they have the best record in the league at 21-6. and six. The only real competition that was coming into this season was Boston, Philly, and Milwaukee from the East, and then kind of like Houston and and uh, Golden State from the West. But do you, do you think that Toronto is really steps ahead of Boston, Philly, and Milwaukee? Or do you think one of those teams has a case for the fight against the Raptors? Um, I, I would say Philly for sure is like steps behind the Raptors. I think they're still trying to figure out their offense with uh, Butler and Embiid, how they're going to coexist, um, especially when a Butler likes the ball in the pick and roll a lot. Um, and he and he's like uh, he's definitely a top 10 player in the league. So um, meshing him with another top 10 player like Embiid, that's going to take some time. And also their bench needs some work. They're definitely looking and trading fold. So I think that in terms of Philly, they're way ahead. Um, I think Boston, uh, they figured out some lineups recently, and they, they've been getting better, and I think you can never count them out. Um, but the Celtics have some weird playoff tendencies, like Rozier last year took like 10 threes, and they missed 10 threes in the final game. Like, they have players that are going to, like, they have, like, the green light in those clutch moments, and sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. And I think a player like Kyrie Irving can calm that down, but you never know with all this, all the talent they have, how they're going to mesh. And then the Bucks with... Um, they're looking really good. Um, I think they could. They're definitely ahead of Philly, in my opinion. Um, they, after adding a player like George Hill, is a great veteran player who actually was traded for Kawhi Leonard on draft day in 2011. Um, he's like going to be a great um, addition to that team. They already got Bledsoe, who's a solid complimentary piece. Um, Middleton, who's in the last year year of his uh, contract, actually, and of course the Greek Freak. And they're just so long on defense, and they're gonna they can cause problems like. I know that it's been a few years removed, but in 2015, the Raptors um, against the Wizards in the first round, I know that was a long time ago, but they struggle with those long players. And um, maybe like it's, it's, we have to wait for Lowry um, to, how is he going to be in the playoffs? Is he going to be a hundred percent? And, but uh, the Raptors could, their length can match up with a, like a team like uh, a Milwaukee. It's just, it's like, are there, are their players going to hit shots in the playoffs, which is like they, they, which they've been struggling with recently. So um, it's definitely, they're definitely ahead of Milwaukee. They're definitely ahead of all of them right now, but I think Philly is the one that's the, the farthest behind. I agree with you in terms of Philly, because I, that whole Ben Simmons and Bede and Butler matchup without any shooters really, other than JJ Redick is, is a bit of an ugly, an ugly match to me. Boston, I'm not sure this year is going to is going to do anything unless they make a move. Just because, you know, the way that they've been playing as of late has been really good. 
but do you really think that they're going to put Hayward on the bench in when it comes to playoffs? I doubt it. And then we've seen how Hayward was playing when he was starting games, and we saw how that team was playing when he was starting games, and it was ugly. So having to kind of move him back into the starting lineup and move him back into the starting lineup closer to playoff time, I think is going to really hurt the Celtics in the playoffs and closer to the playoffs. So I think unless they make a move and maybe get rid of one of those good guys for, I mean, they already have really good role players, but if, if they just have to change something up, I think to create that consistency that they're going to need, because I guarantee you Hayward's not coming off the bench in the playoffs and the way they were playing beforehand when he was starting was really bad and then I'll touch on Milwaukee a little bit here I think that I don't like I don't know if this is true but I think that the Budenholzer honeymoon period is going to come to an end very soon and I think that these guys have kind of been energized with a new coach and a new system and all that kind of stuff so they're playing really well and I think a guy like Bledsoe and Middleton are going to start dropping off because as good as Middleton is I think that his production will start dropping off just because I, I don't trust him. I don't trust Bledsoe. And Giannis is Giannis. So you're going to get, you know, you're going to get almost 30 points from him every single night. And that's, that's fine. But I think that the Raptors still have some growing to do and still have some, like Lowry has been playing awful the past five, six games, and they've still been, you know, winning or keeping it close at least. Yeah, no, no doubt. I just think, uh, uh, like with a team like Milwaukee, they're they right now. They're that's why they made that George Hill trade. George Hill trade because they're relying on guys like Pat Connaughton off the bench. You know, like what the heck? That's that. Who would have thought thunk that last year? I mean, when he was off coming off the Blazers bench and bench, and then, but I I think they got some like I don't. I agree, necessarily agree with Middleton. I mean, Middleton's just a really solid player. He impacts the game in so many different ways. I mean, he nearly averages six assists per game, five, well, five, six assists a game. He's a great three-point shooter. And then, of course, you got Lopez, who they turned into a stretch five almost. And he had that game where he hit eight threes. And you never know, especially when you have a guy like Giannis, when you're going to help off of a guy like that in the playoffs. And then Brogdon is just such a solid player. He does everything on the court for your team. He's another one of those players that spent like four years in college, and it definitely paid off because he can he can drive it, he can pass it. Um, he's poised. He's a very poised player, mature beyond by beyond his years. Um, and then, but I agree with you on Bledsoe. Bledsoe is like uh, just a he's a wild card because he's just been on like a crappy teams until he joined Milwaukee. Um, in terms of being like a, an impactful player, like when he was on the Clippers, he never really played. He only played behind Chris Paul. So, like, now that he's on the Sun, when he was on the Suns, he wasn't very good. But now that he's on the Bucks, I have to see what he has to do in the playoffs. So, but when you have Giannis, anything's possible, especially when you have three guys collapsing on him and then you never know what's going to happen after that. So, um, yeah, I think the Bucks, like, they, they have, there's a lot to be desired with them, for sure. Yeah, I agree about the Bucks being being the best team that they're going to have to face. But one of the things that the Raptors team like I said, kind of need to take some steps forward with and, and get better with is is the bench. Their mm-hmm. bench unit has been... I Like, I feel like the word abysmal is too 
is too strong of a word, but I'm going to say it anyways. They've been abysmal. They've been horrible, and hopefully they put it together by the end of this year. Uh, the, the biggest guys who have struggled, um, Fred Van Fleet, DeLon Wright, and CJ Miles. What do you like? Do you think something's changed with that? Like, did did Siakam and Jakob Pertl really have that big of an impact on that bench unit? Do you think? Um, I think uh, when you have a a guy like Pertl um, and Siakam coming off the bench, high energy, um, running the floor all the time, great rebounders, second chance opportunities. That when you have a lot of second chance, uh, like guys like Pertl getting offensive rebounds, that opens up second chances for your shooter. So. Um, Pirtle's like definitely missed a, a little bit this year, um, because he's such a great rebounder and Siakam, obviously we know what he's about. He can, he can, uh, go take the ball coast to coast. Um, he's improved his jumper, you know, um, and he's just a lethal in the paint. So, which opens up things for shooters. But I think when, when you go to CJ miles, I think, um, like the GoDaddy curse, man, uh, like it's just, that's, it's such a big thing. Like, it's really scary. Like he's shooting 27, 28% from three or whatever, like under 30%. Like that's just not good from a guy that you traded for who's a three point shooter. He's supposed to be a three point shooter. And then I think Van Fleet, uh, don't worry about him. I don't, I wouldn't worry about him because he is such a smart player. Um, it's just a matter of time before his shots go down. Like, um, like you missed that, that game winner against the Nets, whatever it's the Nets. It's who's going to remember that in April. Right. So, it's like it's it's he'll be fine and then um yeah like they they just have guys that are struggling with their shot i mean delon's like been struggling og they leave Wright's also been missed has missed a lot of games but the thing with me the thing with me with delon Wright is that his his shot isn't actually that bad like he's shooting 42 percent from three like just over 42 percent from three but he's only taking 1.8 attempts per game so if and Miles, like you said, has been shooting, you know, 27% from three, but he takes five a game. Why don't you give DeLon Wright some of those shots? Maybe it's because he's not open. Maybe it's because CJ Miles gets open more. But I think that you should, you know, maybe look for DeLon Wright a little bit more. And what you're saying about Van Fleet is totally right, dude. Like, he is going to get there. He is such a smart player. He's a catalyst for the offense, but he has struggled. And I th- maybe it is just because he has missed a little bit of time at the beginning of the season. And, you know, he I think he got off to a pretty slow start last year and then got really, really hot by the end of the year. And another big thing is I think Powell, you know, being injured kind of takes away that energy that you were talking about when you were talking about Siakam and, and Pirtle. So I think once those guys come back, they're in a good, they're looking good for the, for the rest of the season. But, we just we need the bench because we have like, you know, one of the best starting lineups in the league. I think after Golden State, our our lineup, uh, our starting five with uh, Leonard, Lowry, Green, um, Siakam, and Ibaka is the best in the league. So I, I don't know if it really is going to impact that much because how good the starting five is and how many minutes that they can play when it comes down to it. But they do need to get better. Yeah, no doubt. And I think um, uh, just like, I think they're just shooting in general is just off right now. I mean, like, and honestly, um, I like I've I've been like saying this to people like if Kawhi leaves, it's not the worst thing in the world because 
you still got a, this young core of young players that are grow, have grown up in these uh, like 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 these great playoff circumstances that taught them a lot. And the thing is, when they're they can go like ten deep, like because they have so many great players. So like, it's like when you like if a player leaves, like they they know how these players know how to play together. Like if you have like Wright, Van Fleet, um, like OG or um, like Pascal and like I don't know like uh, Ibaka together, like they could play. They know how to play together. Um, so I think that's the that's what the key to their success is. Like when they're all together, they all flourish because they're all they're all hard nosed players. Um, they're all they're all smart. I think Van Fleet's probably the smartest out of the, those those bunch that bunch. Um, and they, I, I think they just, they just know what they have to do on the court. They know what their role is. Um, they know where their spots are. Um, they know where to attack. They, like, um, you often see like these younger players in the league, they, they're just, they're just trying to get their next paycheck. And when I say that, they just want to, they're just looking to, they're looking for every open shot. They're looking to, they're just looking for anything that will benefit them. And I think the Raptors are like the most selfless team in the league and, when you watch them play so that's just though like the bench is just if you when they're all together they'll be fine to be honest yeah when it when it comes down to it i think by the end of the year they're gonna they're gonna get better and they're gonna start playing you know better basketball and it's not even that they've been playing bad basketball it's that they've been playing good basketball they're just missing their shots and that's all it comes down to right they're just missing shots here and there so overall i think we both have very very high um expectations for this team and we have really good feelings about this team so you know i uh i appreciate you coming on here kentaro it, it was great talking to you uh everyone go follow his instagram the raptor called for some really really good some really really good raptors content yeah i've been like yeah i'm gonna get it up more like i've been slacking a bit you know exam season but you know no excuses uh I'll definitely get some stuff up, like post some interesting stuff for you guys. So, yeah. All right, buddy. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks again to Kentaro for that wonderful conversation. Now we're heading over to the Leafs. So as everyone expected, the Leafs are atop of the NHL standings. They're not in first place. They're in second behind only Tampa Bay. But coming into the year, especially getting John Tavares, uh, how good Matthews is, how good Tavares is, uh, people thinking that we were going to have Nylander all season. We're kind of living up to the expectations. My first key takeaway from this Leaf season so far is that Kyle Dubas is a good GM. Coming into the season, we weren't sure what to expect because, you know, he is the youngest GM in the league and he kind of looks like a child. People probably won't take him as seriously as they would as a guy like, you know, Brian Burke. Uh, who we had as, on the Leafs a couple years ago. Just because he doesn't have that experience, he is a, really young, he looks really young, and people probably think they can take advantage of him. But as we saw with him getting John Tavares, which was really big, and him making good on the first part of his promise to keep the young core around in Marner, Nylander, and Matthews, he's, he did well. He did well. Nylander coming into the season was asking for $8 million, eight years. And respectably, Dubas said, yeah, I don't think we're going to be able to do that because we want to keep a guy like Marner and Matthews around. And we just paid Tavares $11 million a season for seven years. 
you're not getting eight million for eight, buddy. There is no chance. He kind of looked around the league, looked at what Pasternak's getting, Dylan Larkin's getting, and he said, "Yeah, you know what, Nylander, you're getting you're getting just over six, just under seven here, and you're gonna have to be happy about it." I I still think Nylander got a little bit overpaid, but what I like about this is that in Dubis's first real issue as a GM, he stuck to his guns, and a lot of GMs who were put it who would be put in the same position I feel would kind of come out of that and look weak but Dubis made himself look strong made the Leafs look strong which really impressed me for a young young guy key takeaway number two is Mitch Marner is an elite player looking at it right now this seems like a very obvious thing to say but at the beginning of the year I didn't think that Mitch Marner was elite yet not yet. I thought he was going to take one, two, three more years to kind of get legs under him, get a little bit stronger, a little bit smarter. But he took that step forward in just one year. So far in 30 games, he's got 40 points, 33 assists, and uh, seven goals, plus seven. And the guy, if you just watch the game, the way he holds the puck, the way he skates, the way he passes, the vision that the guy has is is insane. I, like, even if he's not scoring and if he's not, which is very rare because he's always getting assists, he's always setting things up, but if he's not impacting the game on a scoring sense, he's his help with the breakout is amazing. He can do anything that he wants when breaking out of the end. He, like I said, is a fantastic passer, sets everybody up for very open and very good shots. And that's why he has so many assists, obviously. He's playing with a guy like Tavares, so that'll that'll help him develop as a player even more so than he has. And frankly, the guy, when he's on the ice, to me, looks better than Tavares does on any given night, in any given moment, any given situation. He wins battles in the end, even though he's tiny. He skates faster than just about anyone who's on the ice, and his puck handling skills are second to none. I don't, I don't think that anyone else in the league handles the puck as well as Mitch Marner does. Now, I'm sure you can look at, you know, guys like Matthews even, who who's on this team, and Tavares and Crosby, who are just really strong on the puck. But I think in terms of skill, puck handling, and just like strength on the puck. Marner does all of those things better than I would say 95% of the league. And if you have all those, some people are better with their handles. Some people are better with strength on puck, all that kind of stuff. But Marner has it all. Once you add passing into that and a fairly good shot, the guy can, the guy can shoot pretty well. You get a tremendously good player. And I think one of the biggest things with Marner is how he can run a power play because especially being so young, when he's out on the power play, when there's Matthews with him, when there's Tavares with him, when there's Riley with him, he's pretty much the catalyst for all of the offense. Everyone, you can tell when when watching these games, Marner is the one that everyone's looking to get the puck to, whether it's for him to shoot or to find a lane to make a nice pass or just kind of open stuff up for anybody by just skating around with the puck. His little, I think one of my favorite moves that Marner does is his little 
backwards skating across the blue line, dipsy doodling the guys that come at him, all that kind of stuff. And then that just opens up lanes for a guy like Matthews or Tavares or, or Marlowe even. So I think Mitch Marner is elite, is a good takeaway to have. It was kind of expected. I just didn't expect it to be this much. I think he's in a class where not many NHL players have been to at, uh, at his age. And then thirdly, this one's also kind of obvious, but the Leafs are in the toughest division in the league, in the whole NHL, I think. Uh, coming into the season, you knew that Tampa and Boston were going to be tough, but, I mean, Boston's had a pretty rough stretch with injuries and all that kind of stuff, but Tampa's leading the league right now. They've got 47 points. Their goal differential is plus 36 in in uh, 31 games, so they are blowing teams out when they're winning they're blowing teams out last night they played Colorado which is a good team uh, a very good team or December yeah so last night Tampa Bay won seven to one against a very 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 good team in in Colorado so I think uh, Toronto is a cup contender it's it's hard to say that they're not gonna be able to beat a team like Tampa Bay because they match up very well together and I have so much confidence in this team once Nylander gets back and going properly and all this kind of talk going around that they might trade for Petrangelo which would help them even even greater but the Leafs have to get through I've said this on a couple podcasts before but the Leafs will have to get through one of those four teams at the at the minimum to to make it to the cup final so whether it's Tampa Bay Boston or Buffalo which Buffalo is kind of the dark horse team out of those out of those four I think they're gonna have a really tough time getting to the finals but if they do they have a very good chance of winning it because not many teams on that western side are as good as the teams coming from our Atlantic division I don't know if it's going to be that much of a struggle but in terms of coming out of the 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 conference having to play Tampa, Boston or Buffalo early on in the playoffs is going to be really really tough. I think that they they can handle Washington, they can handle Montreal, which is kind of a surprise that they're even up there Columbus. Any of these teams, I think that they're able to to get over to get over them but in terms of getting over Tampa Bay and and Buffalo and Boston that's kind of where you're going to see the struggles because the Leafs are notoriously bad against Boston they lost they lost pretty badly on uh on Saturday there to to Boston they just outplayed us and that's with all the injuries that they've had they've they played pretty well against Tampa this season but once again they're the best team in the league. They're fantastic. And then Buffalo, we can usually play well against Buffalo, but like I said, they're the dark horse. They've surged up the standings this season. I think they're playing better than anyone expected them to play this season. And they're looking like the the biggest contender to to the Leafs and Tampa Bay in the in their division but we're just gonna have to wait and see really I don't think you can really count on any of this stuff to to play out the way it has Nylander's been out Matthews has been out 
they're going to get better. They're going to play better. I just think once that time comes, the Leafs are going to be one of the one of the top teams in the league. Now we're going to head over to the pitch and talk about TFC just just really briefly and it's not even really about their season right now, but Atlanta United just won the MLS Cup and my one takeaway from the end of the the MLS season and the TFC season is now over officially. It's been over for a while officially, but uh, the entire league and their entire season uh, is over right now. Um, is that I'm kind of upset with how I'm seeing... I'm seeing a lot of good praise to Atlanta United, which they deserve, and they absolutely deserve every bit of it. But I'm just upset that TFC didn't give ourselves that much praise when we won the MLS Cup. Like when we won the MLS Cup, it was it was exciting, don't get me wrong, but I didn't see anything on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, social media, but you look on Twitter right now, you look on Instagram and you're seeing all these people from Atlanta just fired up, fired all the way up. Atlanta athletes, Atlanta media members, people uh, you know, the the Turner Broadcast, TNT from NBA, all those guys are fired up. All the Atlanta Hawks, all the Atlanta Braves. And I'm just upset that we didn't have that much of a impact on and that much of a celebration when TFC won and, you know, having the best season in MLS history, which is is no longer. But that's just, I just wanted to kind of put that out there, give my two cents on that thing. Um Atlanta United did really well. They they deserve every second of it. But yeah, that's that's all I wanted to say on that stuff. Thank you guys for listening to yet another episode of the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. And another reminder to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and review, and then follow us on Spotify. Thank you. Have a good one from Take 6. We love you.